This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your In Good Company, a podcast for like-minded people who want to make smart investment decisions. I'm Maddie and as always I'm here with my good friend Sophie. Hi Maddie, (laughs) how are we today? We are good, we're good. (laughs) You never know what to say to that question, do you? I really don't. (laughs) Are you actually good? Yeah, I'm great. In fact, I'm great. Oh, okay, there we go. I'm really happy for you. I'm excited for today's chat. It's just going to be the two of us in your ears, but still fun. Before we start today's episode, we'd like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wandry people of the Kula Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. Okay, so before we get into today's episode, I just want to do a quick shout out to all of our community members because I feel like every episode we sit here and we annoyingly ask everyone to go and like and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Please go subscribe. Please do. (laughs) But the other day I was checking and there are some of the nicest reviews and it made me feel so Nice. (laughs) But I want to just read you one in particular. Um, Okay. It was the subject line was for my daughters. It was really sweet. that's really nice. And he said, it's from Mickey G. Thank you, Mickey G. He said, (laughs) my daughters are now 11 and 13. They've been investing in index ETFs. Amazing. I wish I started when I was 11 and 13. Go girls. But he said, they are excited about their dividends and learning patience on capital growth. Sometimes I think they are a bit bored by dad trying to get them excited about it. I can't wait to share this with them. They'll be so excited when they're like 18 or 21 and he's like, hey, look how much money you've got. (laughs) Anyway, I just, there are lots of really great reviews on there. So thank you very much. And thank you also to everyone who has joined our Facebook group and is posting questions and engaging in discussion and topics there. It's really awesome. So if you would like to join YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. Yeah, there's actually been a bit of traction lately. Hello, we're loving, loving it. it. <laughs> Keep asking your questions. Okay. So today we are jumping into the topic of investing styles slash strategy. You say it so ominously, (laughs) investing styles. Yes, you're investing styles. Yeah, so throughout this episode we're going to use the terms style and strategy interchangeably. So that's just a disclosure from the very start. If we use both, please don't get confused. We could have picked just one, but we didn't. Well, yeah, but then if people read it elsewhere, you know, you want to. You want to understand. True. So, Sophie, let's go really basic. What is an investing style slash strategy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with style. (laughs) So it's just a set of principles that help each individual investor decide what to invest in. So, yeah, think of it as your personal investing style. Your style isn't going to be the same 
as, you know, your best friends or your parents or whoever's because it's something that will work for you and it's very dependent on your goals, your risk tolerance and your future desire or need for capital. Mm. Understanding your investing style is understanding your why for investing. Like it's really like when you are looking at a potential purchase of an ETF or a stock, investing style comes back to why you're looking at purchasing that investment. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, and that will make a bit more sense when we jump into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today we want to discuss what we consider to sort of be four of the most common investing style slash strategies. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying that now. Um, just to yeah, try and get us across sort of what the terms mean because they are ones that fly around quite a lot. Yes. So. The first kind of comparison that we have is passive versus active. So, Maddie, let's start with the first one maybe. What's passive investing? Yeah, so passive investing at its core is really just buying and holding for the long term. So the idea is that you're building wealth gradually and the underlying assumption, I guess, is that the market will have positive returns over the long period. So The idea is that capitalism is going to do its work. We're going to have economic growth over the long term. Companies are going to earn money, make money grow, and you are going to benefit from the overall economy growing. (laughs) Did that not make sense? I think it made sense. Capitalism is a big word. (laughs) Capitalism is just like the business world. That's probably not right, but that's how I think (laughs) of it. Just go with that. (laughs) So, for example... If you put $1,000 in a month into the share market, you will have $1.2 million after 30 years. And that's based on a 7% return on average. And the idea is you are, to achieve that kind of a return, you're investing in sort of really broad ETFs or market indexes. And by that, I just mean, you know, your ASX 200 ETF, your large American ETF and things like that. So often passive investing and index investing are terms that are quite interchangeable Mm. and that's because a lot of, say, passive um, investing managers will track index funds. So that's just your your average ETF. Yeah, so the index fund is just the, you know, A200, the largest 200 companies in Australia is an example of an index fund. Yeah. And that's why it's considered a more hands-off approach because you're not trying to pick winners, you're not trying to pick individual stocks. Your goal really is just to get the average market return over a long period of time. So passive investing, I would say, is more common for like the everyday investor, right? Yeah, definitely. It's such a great way to make money if, you know, you're really busy, if you don't have the time or the interest in really engaging in sort of like finance and the business world and the stock market more generally. It's a great way to just act like to invest and not be missing out, but not have to commit heaps of time and effort into doing it. Yeah, actually, that's what um, our newbie investor said, Chloe, last yes. week when we were speaking to her. She was saying, you know, she works full time, but she obviously wants to get into investing, but she doesn't want to have to research all the time. Yeah, 100%. So this, I think this is a good strategy to like kind of stick to if you're not that into it, but still want to gain the dollars. Yeah, which should be everyone. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't want to gain the dollars. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so flipping this one around now, so. The other one that we discussed there is active. So what is active investing? Yeah, so you said that passive is kind of the hands-off approach. 
active is more the hands-on approach to investing. So this style reflects a little more of like that classic Wall Street or like even like Wolf of Wall Street image (laughs) when they're all like screaming at each other. (laughs) Not that that necessarily happens. (laughs) When you're sitting in your room at home doing active investing. (laughs) Screaming at the computer. (laughs) No. (laughs) But it um, it is a little bit more like hands-on, uh, a, l- a little bit more time and effort. Now that I think about it, like people that, you know, do active investing, I don't know why we would say that they scream. <laughs> They're doing like a lot of analysis. Yeah. Anyway. So the, the goal of active money management is to beat the stock market average return instead of meeting the average return. So passive is kind of meeting that average return. Active is beating the return. And as you mentioned, Mads, uh, passive investing is really about the long term, whereas active is more about kind of gaining from short term fluctuations or or volatility, as we've probably called it a hundred (laughs) times. Okay. So what do you actually mean by short term fluctuations or how, how do people gain from short term volatility? Yeah. So I'll explain it with probably a really common term that people talk about, which is day trading. Mm. So day trading. <laughs> day trading. Day trading. I don't Not day something trade. we've done. No. Yeah. And I don't think I would be successful. No, so I don't think I would be either. I'll I also just it. am too scared. Yeah. Well, it can, it's pretty risky. So pretty much it's explained by its name, day trading. You're buying and selling stocks or also Forex, which is like foreign exchange. That's really common. Buying and selling shares within a single day. And it's kind of about, you know, we were talking last week with the company announcements how we'll see like a quarterly earnings or a company report or whatever else. These people will try and predict or they use algorithms or whatever else to kind of predict what's going to happen with that company. And then yeah, well, hold on, because the the people who do this professionally might be using algorithms, but the people who are sitting at home doing it on their own, they don't have algorithms. So they're trying to just use their knowledge and their research to try and beat the market. Yeah. So they're using, yeah, they're, they're doing all their research and then they're, they're waiting for these company reports or whatever it is that they think that's going to move the share price. They're waiting for that. And then they're hoping that their prediction is right. And you can make a whole heap of money if your prediction's right. And you can lose a whole heap of money if your prediction's wrong. That's why Maddie is scared of day trading. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you don't have the conviction. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> But yeah, so it's just a little bit more active. Active management isn't just like day trading. Yeah. You can also have like actively managed ETFs if you've seen that before, and if you're wondering what it is. And Maddie, you actually pitched an active ETF on one of our pitch nights on our Instagrams. Yes. AASF yes. is an actively managed ETF. That's yeah. a goodie. So that just means Not that whoever's behind <laughs> managing that ETF, they are actually looking at the portfolio of stocks and they're changing the stocks and putting new ones in depending on, you know, what they think is correct and is a part of their investment philosophy compared to passive ETFs, which are just tracking an index. So your A200, for example. Yeah, so I guess we can say that passive investing is about time in the market and active investing is about timing the market. Yes, you said that correctly. (laughs) Passive is long-term gains, active is short-term fluctuation gains or losses. Yes, (laughs) yes. Asterisks or losses. Or losses. Probably asterisks on long term. No, actually, oh, I don't know. Make you order. Don't take any advice from Maddie. <laughs> Breaking out. 
We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors, but we will be right back to chat more about investing styles. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So talking about active investing, there are different styles of stock picking that you can pursue when you are actively investing. So we, we did mention day trading before, but you can still actively invest whilst also holding like, you know, a portfolio of ETS, which is just picking companies that you think are interesting. And then there's kind of two main styles under this active investing. Yeah. So before you jump into that, I guess to be a bit more specific around that, like passive investing is really, like we said, about following the index. Active is more about stock picking. So we talked about day trading as like, that's an example in its purest form, but active investing is about picking stocks and it doesn't have to be bought and sold within one day. Yeah. It can be still buy and hold. It's just that you've put a bit more effort into. Yeah. Well, I guess you have to actively monitor it, right? Yeah. True. So two of the most common active investing styles that you'll hear is value and growth. Mm. And these are kind of also comparison. Like you can be both of them if you really want to be because you can buy into lots of different companies, but usually that's the comparison. You'll hear someone's a value investor or they're a growth investor. So we might start with value because Mads, I would probably say with all the stocks that you've told me about that you've bought, you're probably more of a value investor. <laughs> yeah, and you're definitely more of a growth. <laughs> yes, which we're trying to change that. <laughs> but I have been. <laughs> That's okay, we're learning. <laughs> so can you please explain value investing? Yeah, so value investing involves picking stocks that appear to be trading for less than what's called their intrinsic value. So that basically means that the stock price is considered to be low relative to the company characteristics, such as earnings or sales or dividends. So Warren Buffett um, is really (laughs) well known for this investing style. I don't know if everyone will know who Warren Buffett is, but if you do not know, then please go and read what, at least five articles about him? Yeah, like look him up. He's pretty cool. (laughs) It will make you really want to invest. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's done amazing stuff. He also kind of like invented value investing. Yeah. Pretty much. He made it like common. Yes. Yeah. So if you are a value investor, you are essentially like to sort of speak really broadly, you're looking for stocks that are underestimated by the stock market. So you're looking to buy a share that's worth $1, but you're only buying it for 50 cents. Yeah, right. So in theory, it doesn't really matter how good or bad a company is. The idea is that you're just getting it for cheaper in comparison 
to the underlying company. Yeah, exactly. So the belief is that you're buying the share on sale or at a discount (laughs) to make it like shopping. Right. (laughs) Let's not compare the stock market to shopping. I take that back. (laughs) But you're buying it at a discount to the profit that they're going to make for years to come. Right. So for someone like this, this can get a bit difficult because it's not like our brokers mentioned, this is a value stock or this is a growth stock. Like you have to work that out. So what is like, what kind of, what are the characteristics that usually a value stock kind of has? Yes. Very good question. So they are typically sort of more mature businesses and they have sort of like quite steady growth rates. Yeah. I'm going to go into a metric that is really common for finding value stocks. Okay. I'm going to keep it really simple. Scary numbers. (laughs) Yeah, scary numbers. Not so scary. Um, Which we're making not scary because we're going to explain them really hopefully nicely. So PE ratio is a term that you might have heard before. It's thrown around quite a lot in investing and it's one of the major sort of metrics that we can look at. And what PE ratio is, is it's the company's share price compared to its earnings per share. So basically, that is just a financial metric that is an indicator of of the company's profitability. And the lower the ratio, the better it is because the more value you're getting for the price that you pay. So how do we find a company's PE ratio? Yeah, so you can get this information from the company's annual reports. But even easier, my favorite way to find out is download the app Yahoo Finance. Yeah. And you can literally type in any company and it just tells you the PE ratio. Yeah, it's pretty, they're pretty easy to find. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could just Google. Exactly. Like. So we talked about the lower the ratio, the better, but probably the most important thing is that we're comparing to the company's industry competitors. Yeah. So because, you know, what is a low number? Yeah. Well, the idea is that let's take supermarkets, for example, that if you're looking at investing into Woolworths, you would look at the Woolworths PE ratio compared to Coles, compared to Aldi, and get an idea of where it sits in comparison to its industry and whether it's low in comparison to the other companies in the industry. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because you like you have no idea what a low number is. Like what does that even mean? Exactly. It's just got to compare because like the numbers will be very different depending on the market, the industry, etc. Yeah. So a couple of examples of value companies, just to give some context, we've got the big four banks, we've got CSL, Telstra, and like I said, supermarkets. Nice. All right. So given I am apparently the value investor of the two of us Mm. and that would make you the growth investor or the more sexy investor, as many say. Please don't say (laughs) sexy and look me in the eye like that ever again. Please. (laughs) Sophie, what, what is growth investing? Yeah. Okay. So growth investing is investing in companies that are expected to grow at higher rates than other companies in the industry or sector. So often when you speak about growth investing, you're speaking about smaller or younger companies. Yes. Mainly because they have a lot more potential for like faster growth um, compared to like companies that are already well established and have a bit of a slower growth rate. Um, I guess people would consider growth investing a little bit more exciting or like, you know, usually buzzing, like talking about stocks that are like buzzing in the media or et cetera. Yeah. It's the um, sexy investing. It's, it's the cool stuff. You looked me in the eye again. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously the higher the return is the higher the risk. So there is more risk definitely in growth investing. This is because with growth investing, unlike value investing, you don't care so much about the price you're actually paying. 
Uh, so going back to something like the PE ratio, growth stocks are likely to have a much higher PE ratio because you're expecting that the company will grow into that price that you're willing to pay. So because you're paying a premium, because you're paying a really high you know, price for the stock that you're getting, if you're wrong, you can lose quite a bit of money. Yes. <laughs> quite <laughs> a bit. Okay, so how, a bit like we looked at with value investing, how do we find a growth stock? Yeah. So I think the main metrics that you can look at for this one, and sorry that it's metrics again, but. No, I think it's good. Yeah, okay, it's good. Yeah. Hopefully it's just simple. Yeah. So you look at the sales or the earnings growth rates and I guess like a, not a rule of thumb, but looking at them if they're in the double digits. So you can just Google like average industry growth rate and then also then compare that to whatever the company's growth rate is. Yes. Can we just clarify for a second, mm. because you mentioned sales and earnings there. What What's the difference? Yeah. So sales is the company's top line. So it's how much the income the company is earning. So if you think of just like a basic example, like your local coffee shop, the sales is what they're getting from the coffee payments. Yes. And the earnings is the company's bottom line. So it's income after all the expenses that have been deducted. So it's the coffee cups that are being sold and then you minus the rent and the coffee beans and the cups and whatever Stop. else. Yeah. So <laughs> earnings is after all those expenses. Okay. So both are as important for growth analysis. Yes. And I guess we want to note for all of these metrics that we've talked about as well, that it can be really good to understand just for your own sort of perspective, what they've been historically, what they are now and what they are projected to be into the future. So we can get all this information online, which is great. Yes. And if you're just looking at one company, like I know this sounds a bit scary trying to find all this information, but it's so simple to access. Yeah, especially on resources like Yahoo Finance. Yeah, you just Google company name and then sales or earnings, mm. earnings rate, whatever. It's it's really easy. It's really not that hard to find. There's also one other metric that you can look at for growth um, and that's ROE, which is return on equity. And that measures the productivity of a company. Um, so given the money that the company has, what's its return that it's making? So a company that grows well into the future is one that can take the money that it's making and invest it back into the business uh, in really productive ways. Yeah. And again, I think it's really important that we look at this in the context of similar companies in the industry. So compare your ROE to its competitors or the other companies that are similar to it. But a general guide for a company that is growing really well can be an ROE of greater than 15% okay. as a really general guide. But again, I think it's important to say that we want to take all of these metrics sort of with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, they're just a starting point for us to sort of start analyzing the companies. Yeah. So that is growth investing. If you're thinking of like un wanting to understand the companies, you know, it's your afterpay or, you know, the buy now, pay later kind of company, mm. Zip, things like Zero, a lot of technology companies and a lot of what I've been looking up lately, medical companies. You've got nice. a lot of small medical companies coming through that are trying to make a statement. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's probably fair to say that growth investing is the most time intensive investing style of the ones that we've discussed today. Yeah. Like following a growth strategy means that you're trying to find stocks that are going to outperform the market. So, you know, when we think about it, we have, there are professionals doing this every day and they have algorithms that help them to find these companies and to know when to buy and sell them. So I think it's just good to remember 
Like not, not at all saying don't do it because we're going to chat about a bit later on what we do, what we do. But um, I think it's just good to remember who you're competing against <laughs> just to keep things real. The bots, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> so to finish off today, we are going to go to a question from one of our community members. Thank you, community member. I love when people <laughs> message us. <laughs> do you have to pick one strategy? Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm, indeed. I guess the straight answer is, or the quick answer is no. Yeah. You can pick as many strategies as you like. Maybe we should answer this in the context of our own, like what we do. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. It makes a bit more sense. Okay. So I personally, I invest about 60% of my portfolio with a passive strategy. So I buy and hold ETFs that follow market indexes. So I have ETFs that follow Australia, US, Asia, Europe, and gold. Love gold. (laughs) Love gold. And then with the other 40%, I pursue a bit more of an active strategy. So this works for me because I'm quite young. I'm putting in money that I don't need to access anytime soon. And I find all of this stuff really interesting. So I really enjoy spending time researching and keeping my head across the news and monitoring how things are going. So under your active strategy, mm. what are you buying into? Value stocks, growth stocks? I know we said you're a bit more of a value investor. It doesn't mean that you haven't been buying any growth mm. stocks. Yeah, so I do pursue mostly value investments because I don't really have the time to like fully just try and outperform the market, market. and like <laughs> the, the professionals. Um, but because I do find investing so interesting and I have, I do have a really small amount of money put aside for a couple investments that would probably be considered growth, um, that I've researched and sort of continue to follow and monitor, but that's really money that, um, I guess it's sort of play money in the market and it's yeah. money that I put in because I find it really interesting and I want to monitor it and see how it goes. And for learning as well, hundred percent, it really teaches you a lot when you can just put a little bit towards like stocks that you don't really understand or yeah. not, not understand, but like that how you have to do a little bit more research for. Exactly right. So what's your, what does your portfolio look like? Do you follow one of these in particular? Do you have a combination? Yeah, I'd probably say definitely more passive. I have a combination as well. I'm actually growing my combination to be a bit more like yours because I do (laughs) have probably more of an active portfolio at the minute. It doesn't mean that I'm looking at it every day and researching every day. It's just that I've bought more individual stocks than I've bought ETFs. I just started out the other way around, but I'm kind of moving towards making it a bit more passive. But within my active portfolio or my active portion of the portfolio, I am buying into both value and growth stocks. Mm -hmm. I think I've always been really attracted to the growth stocks because it's often around like new technologies and like healthcare and their personal interests of mine. So that's why I've aligned with that way. But as I've reassessed my goals over the past six months about what I actually want to be doing with my investing, I'm definitely moving more towards a passive, slow growth kind of portfolio because yeah, I've got enough in my growth area. Let's <laughs> just say that. But I think that's the coolest thing about investing, right? Is like you obviously you want to align it to your risk profile and your goals, but you know, we have the ability to invest in things that we're interested in. And yeah. that's the coolest thing is because you can put your money 
where your, your interests lie, <laughs> where your interests lie. And then it makes it really easy to like keep track of and monitor and research because you're genuinely interested about it. I think that's it. Literally. I bought into things because I'm like, this is so fun reading about. Yes. And then I'm like, oh, this is risky, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, and I might lose my money. <laughs> We're doing okay so far. <laughs> nice. Well, let's round out the episode there because hopefully that was a good outline with a bit of detail and a bit of context of how you can actually apply this yourself. Yes. If you have any questions still about this uh, and you want to know more, if you want to understand a bit more how it kind of applies to you, then definitely jump in the Facebook group and ask the question. People are really giving their context and their perspectives, which is great. Otherwise, we also welcome DMs on Instagram. Or emails. (laughs) Or emails. (laughs) Our emails in our bio on our Instagram if you want to contact us. We are so excited. I'm going to plug next week's episode because it's one that has been, I think, much requested across the community pretty much since we started, and that is sustainable investing. We have lined up an amazing guest to come on and chat all things sustainable investing. So make sure you tune in next week to listen to that one. And even though we said it at the beginning, we'll say it at the end again. (laughs) Go subscribe, write us a review. We really appreciate all your feedback and we want to take it all on board. And make it better for you and what you want to hear. Okay, we're rambling, so let's finish this. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you you next week. We'll see you right here, wherever you're standing right now. That's what we're seeing. Bye. Bye. You're in Good Company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.